almost lost the cup and you win it. The new European champions, the treble, the dream come true for you. Oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Football, by the hell. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 23 of the Golden Boot Podcast. I'm Chris Williams. And I'm JP Rios. And we promised last episode that the next one was going to be more cheery. Uh, I think everybody heard us. 48 hours, the Super League is dead. So we brought on a few friends. I'll let all of you guys introduce yourselves. But we're all just going to you know, go over the Super League the past. Basically, it will last 48 hours, let's be honest. So, I mean, you guys introduce yourself in whatever order you want. Hi, I'm Frankie. Hey, I'm Burke. Hi, I'm Camilo. I don't know if that was all the information that y'all needed. Yeah, who, who do you guys support? Come on, let's hear it. Uh, Arsenal, we're gooners over here. Uh, all right, Arsenal, I'm a blue. Chelsea, let's go. Obviously, uh, my team's Liverpool, the best one in the league. Wow. I, would, I think the league standing disagrees with that, but uh, well. we digress. So, Chris, we know you're sadly a Man United fan. Very sad. Uh, so, basically, in summary, all of your teams decided to go. Uh, and then regretted their decision. That's fine. Uh, as the only Bayern fan here, I will uh, stand alone as the only team that did not decide to do that. But so, Chris, take it off. Uh, what should we do? The full rundown? What happened? Um, I don't really think we need a rundown. I think we should just ask everyone about their opinions on their team's participation and what they think about the Super League in general and what should happen going ahead. Okay, so uh, I'll, you know, I'll let you guys take it because I, you know, my team's participation, no, nothing. What did they do? They just shamed everybody. It's fine. Uh, But yeah, I think for me, the main part is when we're talking about like, why did the German teams, why did Leipzig, I mean, obviously Leipzig has its own issues with the 50 plus one rule, but you know, why Dortmund, Bayern, all of them stepped aside is that they're fan-owned and I think that is the biggest part of the entire thing if the fans own the club the club doesn't go so you know that for me is the main perspective we that's what we need to change but obviously I think all of you have you know as fans of English teams and I think when we look at what the protests and everything that happened it was England mostly who like was outraged by far like the hardest and I mean rightly so so I think if any of you want to take it from here, your own, what you think of your own team, and then in general, you know, what direction you'd like to see either the leagues or your own club, like, take from here. Yeah, Camille, you can go first. Sure, okay. I mean, um, how do I feel about the ESL, about Arsenal's participation in the ESL? Uh, embarrassing. Um, I think that's a common trope among basically every, at least big six supporter, if not, of, uh, of every team, um, of every club. I think uh, I, I kind of touched on this in the, the article too, the, the, one, the one that we worked on, but Arsenal, I think, is a good indicator of why the ESL is kind of a joke concept because as, you know, I love my club. I, I think they're great. They are... I, I will be the first to admit it. They are not the greatest team in Europe. That's indisputable. Um, I love my club. I love my team. Um, but I'll admit, they at where they are right now, they do not deserve to play 
um, in a Champions League with a Man City or with a um, Bayern or PSG. They're simply not on that caliber. Um, and the I think that's why the reaction from uh, Arsenal supporters, I think, was so... Um, frenzied i guess I'll, I'll put it that way is because people people know like people know that this is um uh ridiculous it's ridiculous on the face of it um and so i i think that sort of incongruity is where a lot of the the outrage came from um I don't remember. I think I'm getting away from the other questions. <laughs> what were the, uh, we were just talking about the consequences going forward. Um, insofar as Arsenal, I know there have been, there's always been pressure on uh, cranky sports entertainment, which is like the, the, the holding company, American holding company that owns the club um, to sell. And that's been, there's been pressure on them since like 2011, which was when they bought it. But it is, uh, escalated uh to say the least in recent days i know there have been several offers from other members of the board um to buy out kse's uh stake in the club i don't know if anything will happen to that i read something earlier today that said uh they were looking for two billion to be bought out um I don't know if they will be bought out. I think Stan Kroenke is a very uh, stubborn individual, um, which we've seen over the last couple of years. So I, I honestly don't know if anything will happen, at least on the club level. Um, but on the inner or on the international level, on the um, like domestic league level, um, I think there have to be changes. You know, um, and unfortunately, I think a lot of those changes uh, we're, we're, we can talk about. Um, fines or consequences for these clubs but i think uh the leagues and particularly the champions league will have to be conciliatory to these clubs and and really hash out like another um agreement or or revenue sharing thing i i don't know exactly the specifics but i i think unfortunately to keep these clubs happy they will end up uh, getting maybe not an ESL, but getting something better than what they were experiencing the past couple of years, you know, and that's, that's unfortunate because I think this whole thing, this whole debacle is a, a, uh, a tragedy. So to see that the, a lot of these comes, uh, a lot of these clubs will be coming out uh, happy to an extent in a year, they'll be in a better uh, position insofar as revenues or, or or i don't know that's that's a little distressing to me but i guess that's the cynical part i would be curious to see if anybody else thinks that things will change in a more positive way yeah let's hop over to burke the other team in in london and obviously chelsea kind of led the way um in backing out uh from the esl so yeah i'm just curious to hear your reaction what was your reaction um when you heard that Chelsea was going to participate in it, how'd you feel over those rough 72 hours of not knowing what the hell was happening? And then uh, how'd you feel once, you know, Abramovich and the rest of Chelsea put out that statement uh, with fans protesting outside Stamford Bridge? It was like, 
uh, an emotional roller coaster because you know we got into the uh, into the uh, semifinals for the Champions League, and you know I was really excited. And uh, obviously, I know uh, one of my best friends, Oliver, and he supports Madrid, and we've been looking forward to like facing each other. Um, and also, I'm I'm just really proud of this team that Tuchel has put together as our new manager and they're really focused and the energy's there. And I think they can really do some great things. So when the news came out, I feel like it was definitely going to distract them. And, um, and then obviously coming into the Brighton game, um, just a day or two later, I remember being so disappointed with my team because we hadn't said anything yet. So I wasn't even wearing my Jersey. And then I saw all the fans outside Stanford Bridge and I was crying because I wanted to be with them. I wanted to like be protesting this too and be angry too. Um, and then when I saw Petr Cech come out and he was like, just wait, just give us time. I felt like that was the little like glimmer we needed to, um, to come into the game strong and allow the teams to come into the stadium and everything. And then obviously like moments before the game, um, Tuchel found out that um, we were going to draft up the paperwork to um, leave the Super League. Apparently that's not true. You know, the contract's binding, but anyways, um, I think that was great news for him. And I feel so bad for him because like, you know, I was listening to another interview that he had. I think it was after this last game and they keep asking him about the Super League and they asked him about like, if he's talked to the owner and he said that he hasn't talked to the owner since he came to the club. And that's really worrying to me. That's, that's like, I feel like these managers who are doing so much for the team should be talking to the owners and, and seeing what's comfortable for like the players and like the fans. And, you know, I'd been a fan for a while and I, for that entire time, it's been Roman Abramovich who's been our guy and he's brought a lot of money into the club. Um, and I, and I remember going to see a game and, and staying in like the hotel cause there's like this whole package thing that they do for you, you know, and you see, it's a business, you know, all of the workers there are Russian. Like he's bringing his own people in, own workforce. And it, it feels like um, it's, it's almost separated. It's like the owners and everyone who's running it versus like what it is. And um, I think like in terms of decision-making, um, the support clubs should definitely have more of a say. Even like the Boston Blues, you know, I think we should have a say. Um, so I guess that I hope that answers all your questions. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Are you are you a member of the Boston Blues? Yeah, yeah, I get the newsletters and all that. The Banshee. That is sick. I love that. And um, yeah, so speaking of Boston, um, we'll t- we'll go to Frankie now. Um, I know someone who went protesting. It happens to be you. Um, someone who went viral for protesting. Um, so yeah, congrats on that. Um, how do you feel about uh? about uh john henry fenway sports group i'll just let you ramble i know i know how you feel about this so i'll just give you the floor right now (laughs) well 
because I was born in Liverpool, born and raised until I was six, and I go back like every summer. So this is something that like didn't feel like an attack on my team. It felt like an attack on my entire like culture. Um, and so me and me and good old Chris here, um, we were gonna go stage a protest, and then we forgot that the Red Sox were playing. So we put up like one poster, and I took a picture of it, and I sent it to my dad. And then my dad posted it on his Facebook, and my one of my childhood best friends, Jordy, he's like huge in the whole like supporters trust and all that and so is his dad and so he sent the picture to the company who do like the flags on Anfield and they put it on their Instagram or Twitter and apparently went viral and Chris's friends in New York saw it so they that's did. why and yeah it was weird but it felt good to do me and Chris were fucking terrified the entire time you know it's okay, because we're just two college kids who don't want to get arrested. That's true. I did not want to get arrested. Um, yeah, but so, yeah, I'll just let you go to town on John Henry right now. How, how do you feel about all of that? I mean, Henderson put out a statement. And he said, like, he likes the owners. They've been looking but good to him, which I feel like was an attempt at Jordan Henderson being the perfect captain that he is and trying to just make everyone peaceful again. And... It was a nice statement, but it's still like you're like, just kind of like, mm, like no, I I don't like them. I wrote in our article that was like three thousand words long, <laughs> a whole thing about how they came in and they owned the brand because I've noticed from since I was a child to now how different it is and how seemingly like overnight in the grand scheme of football we became from this like still kind of small club when like Torres was there. And then, like, this huge, like, empire club, like, you know, like Chelsea is. And, like, it was when I started seeing people wear Liverpool shirts at Universal when I went that weren't British people, that weren't Scousers, that it really hit me. I was like, oh, we're an international club now. Okay. But this has never happened before. And so they own that, but they don't own the heart of it because they're not from Liverpool. So they don't understand it. They prove they don't understand it because by joining a giant money grab, that's like the least Liverpool thing you can do. It's like everyone says the North England should be a separate country, but I think like Liverpool in itself is a separate country. It's like entering like a bunch of socialists in Britain in one city. It's great. I love Rome, but it was just, I just felt like an attack on the city and it's like, like the other half of my family supports Everton even they were saying like that's not Liverpool at all and it was like the only time like they've ever been right to be an Evertonian whatever but like they actually were like no like we're better than you because of this and I couldn't argue it because they were even though it was like it was like the joke like Everton fans saying we didn't win the Super League and posting all that but then like the handshake didn't get invited to join the Super League so it's like a double-edged sword but overall it was just like super personal and it felt like an attack on like the entire city which no one stands for and I think it was felt like that because no, no one burns their shirts outside of the Bill Shankly gates for no reason those gates are sacred like you don't just hang scarves and hang posters saying rip lfc and like burn shirts for no reason like those are shirts kids have had since they were three like we don't throw away our kids 
and it just it was heartbreaking to watch but yeah, and I completely agree with that. There were points where I wanted to burn my my United jersey, but I could never do that. Andrew, can you hear me? Well, we, well, while he gets set up, hey, buddy. This is Andrew Lynn. Um, he's a big Tottenham fan. He just got done watching his uh, his team lose in the Carabao Cup final. I'm very sorry for your loss. Um, I was rooting for you. I think all of Manchester was rooting for you, at least the, the good side of Manchester. So I'm sorry for your loss. But uh, anyway, yeah, we're just uh, we're talking about the Super League, our team's involvement in the Super League. So, yeah, um, if you want to talk about Tottenham, how you felt uh, when you first heard about the announcement, um, how you felt during the time when you didn't know what the hell was going on for like 72 hours and like how, how it felt knowing that Spurs were eventually going to pull out. Yeah, so I think it's when I first heard about Tottenham being involved, like I'm not surprised because our chairman and our ownership as a whole is just a bunch of uh, greedy owners. And, you know, just kind of seeing everything unfold, it's like you're kind of root, you're, you're rooting for, against your own team to like fall apart. And obviously, when Chelsea, I believe Chelsea first pulled out, followed by Man City. And then at some point, I think the entirety of Spurs Twitter was just waiting for an announcement and we weren't going to get that until several hours later. And those were pretty long hours. And when it did, it was like, you know, great. We pulled out, but it's now, now it's time to go protest and get chairman, get the chairman out, Daniel Levy, Joe Lewis, get them out. And I still feel that way, even though we were just in the cup finals. Uh, I, despise our ownership i despise our chairman and i think that even though that i've even though that we lost the cup finals today i still think that people will still be very angry about what the ownership did and i think that's pretty standard and usual for us first fans to 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 take on that yeah definitely so um how do we feel about American ownership in football, specifically Frankie and Camillo. Both of your clubs are owned by Americans. So, uh, yeah, and obviously my club is as well. So how, how do we feel about this? I know both of you have a lot to say about this because we wrote a nice article together about it. But, yeah, it would be interesting to hear your thoughts. Uh, or, sorry, I'll let Frankie go first because I think she probably has stronger opinions than I do. Oh, honestly, like... I'm going to sound like a really mean British person and like I hate American fans, but I don't. I hate when American sports owners get into British sports because they own multiple teams at one time. Like it's not like an individual thing. We're in England. We treat it like a very individual thing. You're involved in one team at one time sort of thing because that's how we are. We like you have one team. That's your team. And they just, I mean, I mean, we saw it. They tried to put an American league in Britain and no one wants that. Like our league works in the way it does to try and avoid the giant like money spends. Like that's why you have a cap on how much money you can spend every, you know, season or whatever. And they just don't understand. And that's why I think annoyed a lot of people because no one hates Americans getting involved like that's not no one hates that they hate when 
they try and make it something that suits them better. That's what everyone doesn't like. It's like when, you know, people go to France and try and speak French that is broken French. Like, obviously, you'd get annoyed. Or they try and do English French, you know what I mean? And it's just like, I don't know. Like, I don't like the fact that an American who owns, like, two rival clubs at one time is, like, owning our club because he's not devoting enough time to it. He doesn't care. He goes about the Red Sox, not those. It makes more sense to put money into their own clubs, like their own MLS clubs. Like, get those to the level of the Prem. Don't put money into Prem clubs, you know? I agree. I completely agree, man. I don't know. It's just, like, disgusting a little bit. Just a little bit. That's, like, my take on it. I don't want to, like, sound like an obnoxious Jewish person. Mm-hmm. But it's just, if you're going to get into something that's not your inherently yours, don't get into it and try and make it yours. Like, get into it and, like, adapt to what it already is. Don't try and make it yours to make more money off of it because it's not a money game. It's a game that we watch because we love it, not because it makes our country money or it makes our teams money, you know? Like, it's not about that. And I feel like here it's very much about the money. Sorry. I was just going to say, like, I think... I, I think what you're... Like, basically what you're saying is... um that the way that these owners are approaching ownership is fundamentally flawed. Um, Right. I think it's not the fact that these owners are American, I think is what is pissing some people off because so many clubs are foreign owned. Um, It's not just these big six clubs. And I think a lot of these clubs that went in are not foreign owned. Like I think all the Spanish clubs are owned, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think they're all owned by Spanish shareholders. Um, I don't know if any of the British clubs are owned by British shareholders. I'm not totally sure about that. But regardless, foreign ownership, I don't think is the issue. It's the way that these owners are approaching governing their teams. And speaking specifically to um, John Henry of Liverpool, Stan Kroenke of Arsenal, um, who are the other? Oh, the Glazers with uh, Man U. Um, the problem with these uh, owners, in my view, I think, is that they're used to governing teams in the American format. That You're right. They're not devoting all of their time or even the majority of their time to governing these clubs in a different country, in a different continent, with a very different league format and structure. They're used to governing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the L.A. Rams or uh, fucking the Boston Red Sox, you know? Um And these teams are run in very different ways than a a European football club is. Um, And I don't think the way that American sports is run is inherently wrong, um, just because it has been run successfully like that for years and years. Um, But you're right. When you try to adapt that sort of governance um, onto an entirely different league sport structure whatever um these are the results that you're going to get you're going to get that clash of 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 ideologies of the fundamental uh reason why you're owning a sports group in the first place because in american sports these are the owners are fundamentally shareholders first right their responsibility is to make sure that the the um, club is solvent 
the team is solvent in American sports. Um, whereas you're right in European football, the role of the owner, at least in my view, is something that is much more uh, personal and is much more uh, involved with the name of the club and how the club operates and how the club is perceived internationally, domestically. Um, those that that's my thoughts on where that diversion sort of comes from. I think one of the main things that just like set it in stone for me was like the apology videos from the owners. Like you're just looking at them and they're so insincere. Like they're trying to be sincere, but you know that they're just apologizing because like they're like, oh, now we feel bad. And it's just like, you get like a sincere apology. Like you hurt so many people doing this and we can't even get like an actual, I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As far as made a video or even said sorry or said anything mine did i think yeah john john henry's like it just didn't feel very sincere he was reading it off of a teleprompter like like if you have something to say and you actually feel a certain way about it like you you shouldn't have to read it off of a screen like you should do it when it happens yeah it took him what three days four days yeah arsenal's apology i think was was Ra- relatively prompt like they were i think they were very cognizant of, of 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 the way that the fans were feeling about it so they 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 backtracked pretty quickly um but by they i mean like the management did and i'm sure that was a a board decision not a cranky decision you know um, as far as i know cranky has not said himself has not released a personal statement regarding um regarding the whole uh, fiasco yeah. As far as I know, it's just been the board doing damage control. I don't know who that unnamed board member is. You know the one I'm talking about? This guy's force that they announced. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to know who that is because I would not be surprised if that was someone who's involved in the American, the American teams. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I didn't even think about that something like that who's like either like not in the, the American League but like I don't know like I just see it being I think it's just like that attitude is very yeah. like I've seen it too many times in like American leaders yeah and I, I, I agree with that I think it definitely could be but yeah I mean if we're talking about American own I'm pretty sure that not like they're not only in um it was Milan's the other one besides um the ones that were already, but I think there's, when we're talking about how, you know, we're saying they should just own a club, well, like one club, or maybe they shouldn't be like, like invest in their teams here in the U S and stuff like that. When we're talking about the owners, I think there is much more of a regulation here in the MLS about how much money you can put into the team, how much you can spend. So of course they're not going to try and like break those rules. Cause they know, you know, the rules here are probably going to be a little bit stronger than what they can get away like in Europe sometimes with, I mean, as much as we, a lot of us are siding on the side of UEFA and FIFA in this discussion, we know UEFA and FIFA are not saints. They're not all holy. Like they're as corrupt, if not more than some of these people. But I think the other issue is like the culture itself is different. Like the culture surrounding sports, it's completely different. And I understand like in back home in Mexico, like Liga MX, there's, like groups that own like three teams or two teams, whatever. 
but still those like the management stays away they try to let the club develop itself they like they can get involved with whatever but they don't want to put like too much of their own presence or like do something like these owners did but the other issue i think like mainly is that a lot of these owners and we're talking about the ones that do understand the sport. I mean, Andrea Agnelli, his family has been involved with Juventus like forever. Florentino Perez, uh, I mean, obviously, La Porta came in at the tail end of this, but um, it was mostly Bartomeu. But still, like a lot of these people do understand the sport. It was just like in one side, and I feel this much more for Madrid and probably Juventus, is that they've historically been like dominant in Europe. Yes, all my homies hate Florentino Perez. Uh, but they have been historically dominant in Europe. There's like no doubt about that. But I have here, this is a quote, a quote from 2020, March 2020, with Atalanta. Uh, it's Agnelli talking about Atalanta, and he's arguing that they don't have like international history. They don't have that much, as much history as like Juventus do or Roma do. When he's talking about Roma here, and he's questioning why they should be qualified for the Champions League. Like, sorry to break it to you, Atalanta did better than Juventus did that Champions League season. And at the end of the day, that's the whole reason why people fall in love with the sport. It's being like, and Bielsa said a little bit as well, like it's not like if you have the money, if your team is like historically successful, you're always going to be at the top. It's anybody can challenge for that place. And I mean, Bielsa is like, he has been all over the place, has been all over the world. And he is extremely like, important i think he also has that like argentinian mentality regarding the sport which is like huge in this and like in argentina we're talking about a place where basically anybody can come from anywhere and then make it go to europe win a world cup maradona did it like every single player is like not every single player but a lot of those players are so i think not only we're talking about european like fans but all over the world the culture of the sport is more like that you if you want to, you put the work, you do what you need to do. You can get there no matter where you're starting from. And that's what this was like trying to change. So I think that's the biggest backlash. And when you have like, it's not necessarily foreign owners, but foreign owners that don't understand that concept is when you start getting all those issues. So, I mean, Chris, I know uh, you've had your issues too. I mean, you've seen, uh, I'll let you talk about it, but what Ajax put, which also historically like, much more successful than like half of these teams in like in Europe and still not invited. So I'll let you take that one away. Yeah. So as many of our listeners know, I, my second favorite team is Ajax and um, which is run by Manchester United legend, Edwin van der Sar. So, you know, close to my heart and yeah, they put out a statement saying they were taken aback by the creation of the super league and that, they would never support something like this because it just betrays the fundamentals of football. And, you know, they worked hard to earn all of the trophies that they have and they will continue to work hard um, to, you know, place for the Champions League because especially in the Eredivisie, you have to like go through a playoff. Isn't that right, JP? In order to just qualify because it's not one of the big, big leagues. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it changes from like season to season depending yeah. on how the last one did. But yeah, usually even if you were to win sometimes you still have to go through both. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that just shows like a club that's properly run. Like Edwin van der Sar played for Ajax, played for United, has been a fan of both clubs. And it's just a clan of, a, a clan, a fan of football. 
in general. And it, it just shows whether it's the 50 plus one rule where you have the actual supporters, like a group of supporters uh, having some stake in uh, the majority of the clubs and its future, or if it's just run by one person who's an actual fan um, who has the, the majority of the control over the club. It just shows, you know, how a club should be run properly. And at like Liverpool, like United, like Arsenal, we're not owned by fans of the game. I don't even think the Glazers know anything about football, if I'm being honest with you. They know something about Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, that kind of football, but they don't know anything about our kind of football. And it just shows, you know, one of the Glazers was interviewed by the Mirror yesterday and he refused to apologize to any Man United fans. I don't think he really sees what uh, anything that's wrong. And we held a huge protest outside of Old Trafford yesterday. Glazers out. Um, you know, we weren't even wearing United colors. We were wearing Newton Heath colors, the yellow and the green, um, the original Manchester United before we rebranded. But um, yeah, it, it just, Ajax is a very good example of a club that's run properly. And it just shows that clubs should be owned by fans, whether it's the 50 plus one rule or just an actual fan. Like Conor McGregor said that he wants to buy Man United. You know, I'm all about it. He's a huge United fan. He'd, he'd have the fans' um, interests in mind at all times, as well as the players and the managers who don't even have a say in any of this. So I just think, you know, fan run, whichever way it is, um, we can debate about that. Um, and I'd be interested to hear what you guys have to say um, about the future and, you know, if your owner should be kicked out, if they should sell the club and who should take charge um, next in next season um, in the summer, whenever this happens. Because I know Frankie, uh, John Henry just turned down a three billion dollar or four billion dollar um, bid from someone to buy Liverpool. So I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. And, um, you know, the future of Liverpool, who should be running the club? Well, here's my thing. I think so much, so many of these decisions, especially this one, are based off of money. Like, how did they determine who were the six biggest teams in England? Money. Like, they have the most money being pumped into them, basically. Um, and, like, he's such a money hungry little dude like I every decision he makes is around money it's like I said I said this to you I texted Burke this the other day I was like the second we got a Nike sponsorship the second we got a Nike sponsorship I knew things were gonna go wrong because whenever a club gets a Nike sponsorship that's when they're yeah 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 rub it up rub it in um that's when they like are like deemed like a big club you know what I mean like in America like their shirts are everywhere and stuff like that um and I think like it's hard for me to say who I think should run it because LeBron James is a self-claimed Liverpool fan and he owns some of the club and yet he still had a part in this decision he hasn't really said anything about it I don't really think um and as a player like as a sports legend I think that's disappointing that you didn't say really anything or I haven't heard that he said anything at least so I don't know. I think like it'd be great to see like a Liverpool legend own the club. Like that would be like like a, like if like the likes of like a Gerard or Carragher 
for Trent Alexander-Arnold, like someone who went through the academy, was born in the city, or even like a fan like that, like a fan who was born in the city and like knows the club inside and out, I think is the only person who would be able to run the club in the way it's supposed to be run. It's like, we haven't like, it's like there's this flag that was going around and it was um, LFC built by Shanks, um, ruined by Yanks. Oh. I thought it was hilarious. Um, but it was it was like it was like that. Like we had like such a great time and then we became this huge club and then all of this stuff started happening. Yeah. And I don't think it's ever gonna go away from that now. So I think someone who knows that side of the club needs yeah. to so new new hashtag Jamie Carragher in um, Yes. Yes. Oh my god, yes. And and for United, uh, hashtag Gary Neville in. Um, that would be hilarious. How, that would be hilarious if you know two rivals own rival clubs. They have to keep. They would have to keep the talk show though. Oh, they absolutely. Owners without the talk. Show. Absolutely. Gary Chris, and for cities, it hashtag Micah in. Yes, Micah Richards. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So you get okay. the three Sky Sports pundits all together. It'd be beautiful. And you know, what? Roy Keane can even have a part in United. I'll give it to him. But uh, yeah, Andrew, what are your thoughts on this? What uh, future of Tottenham? Uh, is it Daniel Levy out? Yeah, I think in general, like for football, I've always been a big admirer of the 50 plus one rule enacted in Germany. And as a personal admirer of German football and how the system and its football systems are run, I am all for England to institute a 50 plus one rule that would basically put the power, a majority of the power in the fans' hands. And while I don't think that England or the FA will actually move on that notion because it's probably a too radical of an idea to institute right away, but I do think that 50 plus one and how German football has set itself up is probably the best way to go in putting the power of football in the hands of the people. Uh, specific to Tottenham, I really have no hope <laughs> because this I don't I seriously don't think Joe Lewis will sell the club I don't think Enoch will be looking to sell the club anytime soon I think last year there was a document that was leaked an economic document a financial document that discussed about how chairman Daniel Levy may be moving the club or selling the club to someone else but there was very little uh, truth to that document so for the time being, we're kind of stuck with uh, Joe Lewis, Enoch, and Daniel Levy. Um, I'm hoping to at least see Daniel Levy leave the club sometime soon, either a resignation, being pressured into resigning or leaving the club. But in terms of how the team will be owned, I don't think Enoch will be leaving anytime soon. So unfortunately, uh, I don't think Tottenham will have a new owner anytime soon. Maybe a new chairman, which is probably something that we absolutely need. But the long term, it's going to be Enoch. Hashtag Levy leave uh, is what I'm hearing from you. But uh, yeah, you talked a lot about German football. So JP, the only German football fan here, I'll let you speak on that. Uh, yeah, I'll... Yeah, Levia. That's actually one of the funniest things I've ever heard you say. I didn't think you had it in you, Chris. Um, but yeah, here's the thing. When, when we're talking about 50 plus one rule, I think 
it's it depends how you're approaching it and if you're just approaching it and i know that in germany football and like the clubs and have historically been seen like completely separate from a company like it's not con for years it wasn't considered a company like there was no like private investment there was nothing in that and when they did that that's when the German government decided to implement 50 plus one rule. Like, let's not forget, this isn't a Bundesliga rule. This isn't like something the league got together and decided to do. This is like a government sanctioned, like, and like, so if you want to do it in other countries, like you're probably going to have to go through that process. In England, could we see it happen? I mean, the way, you know, Chris's favorite politician, Boris Johnson, uh, okay, disclaimer, he doesn't like him before anybody we already had a few attacks on chris's twitter so we're we're gonna leave it so but you do i mean they showed some support so we could see that but the thing is 50 plus one rule works because we are considering that these clubs are for the fans and it's hard when you're like it if it was hard to convince and sure 48 hours the whole thing collapsed but that was because like the resistance against it was like huge, like it was unprecedented. So you need something to that degree to force the people who own these clubs who are just like focused on making the revenue, on making the money to like transform it into a 50 plus one rule to let the fans, let the members buy over. And obviously it doesn't solve all the issues because you still have teams like Barcelona and Real Madrid who are fully owned by the club members. like. The entire members can vote to do all of these things. And yes, they weren't like their vote wasn't required to pass like anything regarding the Super League. Barcelona right now is putting up to vote, like whether or not they'll join. I'm not sure if that has gone through or not. But at the end of the day, it's how the club, like how the fans see their club as well. So 50 plus one rule works as far as the culture of the sport has to be like on the same page and they have to want that because i mean you could also have a situation in which the fans say we do want to go to super league and even if the board members say we don't want that they're going to be forced to do it so i think it is extremely beneficial and right now we saw that that is obviously when it comes to byron byron did have like they have said thousands of times before their commitment is to german football and obviously when like it's easier to say that when you've been as dominant as byron has been for the past years i mean Sure, they lost against Mainz like yesterday, but they're on their way to win a ninth Bundesliga title in a row. So it's easier to say, yeah, our commitment is here when we're like making all of this money as well. And like we're getting all these trophies. But it's also because in Germany, like they value their competition before they value something else. But and I think that's why the threat of being kicked out of the domestic leagues was one of the heaviest like the clubs are facing, because a lot of those fans like want to win the league like. Winning the league is the first, you know, your primary motivation. Then everything else comes after that. So 50 plus one rule being fully fan owned only works as long as the fans like are in agreement. And the culture of the sport is like one that wants that competition, not just wants the trophy. So that's the only issue with it. But I think by the reaction, at least in England, the desire for competition to stay like in the Premier League and in that pyramid is much heavier. Then, I mean, obviously, I don't know if Real Madrid have put it up to vote. And, of course, Real Madrid and Barcelona are, like, bankrupt right now, which is completely their own faults. I mean, nobody has asked them to pay hundreds of millions of euros for Usman Dembele, who doesn't know which foot he shoots with. 
and Philippe Coutinho, who ended up scoring twice and assisting one in the in a quarterfinal against uh, for, yeah, against them. So nobody forced them to pay all of that. They decided to pay. And at the end of the day, it's bad business decisions. And yes, it is a business, but this business has a soul. It has a heart and they have to keep that in mind. So, I mean, yeah. And the fans usually keep that in mind. But, I mean, obviously for this to pass, it also, as I said, it has to be a government decision, not just a league. Yeah, so going forward, Mr. Florentino Perez keeps saying it's a contract. Like these teams are binded and obligated to stay in the European Super League. What does everyone think? Is this actually going to go through? Like, it feels like right now that it isn't going to go through. But uh, according to him, it, it's still going to go through. So what does everybody think about this? I don't like it. It scares me um, because two things, two things. First, he says, you know, they're going to come back with, like, new design, a new way to do this, you know, maybe uh, put together a website, make it a little bit more informative and all that, right? But at the same time that we have this, we also have this new Champions League format that's adding 100 games. And now they're basically having us decide what's going to happen, which one do we want. And honestly, I'm really against both of them. I'm against the new Champions League format for adding 100 new games. Uh, and I know some players have already spoken out about that. That's just like you're putting them under so much physical stress. Um, it's going to really like deteriorate the quality of the games. Um, and then we also have just like the fact that they're going to try and come back with a new super league design that apparently all the teams are still going to be bonded to. Um, I, I feel like I can believe that. I feel like I can believe that they're still bonded to that new, new design, whatever it may be, but I hope it's something good. And if it's not something good, then I think, everyone's really going to be really betrayed and feel even more betrayed by like this whole attempt to like make more money. Cause even what UEFA and what FIFA is doing, that's just trying to make more money. And now the super league stuff, they're trying to make more money. And I think it's just like suffocating the culture and the players. And I, I don't know. I feel like I, I thought I trusted my owner, uh, because he loves the club and he's he said it many times in the few interviews that he's actually had he's expressed his love for it so like backing away from that too just feels um it it feels like someone else coerced him into doing it i i almost don't believe it i feel like there was some uh some like triad or something of clubs or owners or something who kind of went around and convinced the other teams to do it. Um, and I, I wish I knew more information about it. I just don't. So I'm, I'm really, it's everything's up in the air right now, honestly, for me. Yeah. Are you just happy that Chelsea's not getting kicked out of the, the Champions League this year? Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm just relieved as hell. Uh, and I'm really excited to go watch them play Madrid at the, uh, I'm actually going to the United Bar over at TD Garden, you know, the McGann. Yeah. Yeah, McGann's, yeah. Yeah, because he didn't want to come to the Banshee and see a bunch of Chelsea fans. And there is, I don't think there's a Madrid bar in Boston. So I guess we got to go to like a neutral ground. Yeah, I didn't know that they were having that there. I'm, I'm a part of Man United Boston, so 
Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they play all the Champions League games, so I think they'll probably end up having that one on. JP, I know where we're going. Where are we going? There. We're going to watch the game. Come on. Yeah, you guys better come, honestly. Let me know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's still Champions League. I, I, I stopped watching after Bayern. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry for your loss. Yeah, right. So sad. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Burke summed that up pretty well. So, before we close up, what does everyone think the punishment should be for these teams? Should there be punishments? Should there be the point reductions that Gary Neville was talking about? Um, or should it just be fines? What, what do you guys think? I think point reductions would be a bit, like, because the teams actually work for those points. I feel like that would just be way too harsh and, like, kind of defeat, like, the whole point of the league in a way because they've actually earned those points it's not like they bought them like they worked their butts off for those um when you sorry i was just gonna say when you talk about point reductions that's talking about um a penalty in terms of the game itself right yeah like you're taking like three points away or like one point away like right it's not the management or the boards or the owners that are earning those points, right? No, it's the points that you win in the, in the game. Exactly. The no, that's, what, that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. So I, I think it's a little counterintuitive to, to um, go for that as the primary way to, to punish these clubs. Do I think that there needs to be a punishment? Yes. Um, and I think it probably will be in terms of fines because – as we all, as we've discussed ad nauseum, this is a financial, um, this is a financial crisis that that is going on right now. It's all about it's all about the money. So I think that's eventually what's going to happen. Um, I don't know. I interrupted you, Frankie. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I think. Um... I also think, like, if you just take points, it just complicate everything. Like, what about if someone ends up tied? They were ahead. Well, it's going to cause arguments that don't, need, that don't need to happen. They don't. Because that's just threatening the game even more, which you've already seen what happens with that. Um, so I think, I think like, fines would probably be the best way because you don't want to take anyone as, like, say, oh, well, you know, you don't qualify for the Champions League next year when these teams have worked for that. Um, despite, you know, the little hiccups that every team faced. I do also, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I do also think that point reduction is going to be a much harder sell in terms of public opinion. It's going to be very hard to get um, these supporters, which came out against the concept of the league, to stand behind any sort of point reductions against their own team, right? Um. I think that's a way, if we're just talking about PR, that's a way to lose supporters your cause very quickly. You know what I want to know? Why no one had the grand idea? Just put on a poll and ask people what they thought. Like, it's not like they don't know what the internet is. Like, they can just literally do an Instagram poll. Do you want to join the Super League? Yes or no? Well, because they're not interested in their fans. I know. That's why. Like, so much of this could have been... avoided and i hope they like do something like this when they make the decision on the punishments and the penalties um and it's just like why is that thought crossed no one's minds like how many times do we on instagram a day how many times are we checking instagram stories a day like it could be advertised like i don't know but i think fines definitely the severity of those fines i honestly don't know 
because then again people will get mad because they want to see new players like the teams need new players and players need to be paid and staff need to be paid like when we're talking about fines we're not just talking about players fines like we're talking about fines from the people who run the club like who like you know the groundskeepers and people who do the kits and like people who like make the club the club um and so I think we need to be careful with like we need to like take that into account because those people are always the people who get hurt the most when we're talking about fines so I think there needs to be a punishment, but I think it should be a punishment on the owners rather than the people who weren't a part of this and like don't deserve to have their financial income impacted because they were probably against it. So that's my opinion. Well, there we go. Um, so yeah, so I'll just give a few points. I mean, here's the whole thing we were talking about, like point introduction and all of that. Like the only thing is there is a president if, and mostly, I mean, we've seen in England, we've seen in Italy as well, where the players, none of these people had anything to do, like, and there's been punishment because of mismanagement. And, you know, there's points reduction, like, yeah, it's points reduction, stuff like that. And of course, you know, uh, what I love to see, you know, points reduction is see Leicester win the league, just because I'd love to see the West- Leicester win the league again. In Spain, would, uh, uh, who was it, Real Betis in third place? That would be great. No, but yeah, I think it is at the moment, a lot of people were, I mean, Gary Neville was one of those who was asking for those points reductions. And I do agree. It affects like that would affect the team and the players and all these people more than it would affect the people responsible. But if we're talking in general, we've seen it in Italy and Italy is like the prime example with the Calciopoli scandal. Like it wasn't the players, it wasn't the coaches, it wasn't all of those. And still you saw, I think, yeah, you saw Juventus, like, in Serie B. We saw, like, Milan lose 15 points. So there is a precedent for that. It's not like we haven't seen something. It was a very different sort of scandal, but it was still, like, the people at at the top who were, like, doing these these things. And we have seen, like, the club itself, like, the players, the coaches, all of these people, like, suffer those consequences. And obviously what we, I think, if they are going to punish somebody, we sh- they should be punishing the people in charge, the people who took that decision, not the people who are just, you know, suffering out of the aftermath. Like, okay, sure, like the team gets what, 15 points. Let's, let's say Liverpool loses 15 points, can't make it to Champions League. Who knows if they're even going to make it to Champions League right now. But let's say if that were to happen, John Andrews still going to be sitting on like, on his fortune, not caring, like not giving care. Well, Stan Kroenke is the worst example. He's probably not even going to know what just happened. Like he probably doesn't even know what the league table is right now. So honestly, yes. And I mean, obviously for me, if you were going to ask if there's only one thing we could do, just ban Florentino Perez from ever watching a game ever in his life because all my homies hate Florentino. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's a very, very tight line between making these teams angry again and like having this thing just come back in a few years and if like I don't know when if it comes back or not but you know obviously once once the pandemic is over and they start getting the like revenue from the stadiums from like games and everything it might get like it might ease out a little bit but still it's a tight line between you know punishing them and then but at the same time like getting football back to where it was before so it is going to be tight but we still have a long way to go as of now the super league is still probably not going to happen but you know florentino's 
threat of it's still binding or you owe me 300 million euros. Uh, that's going to be an interesting one. But as we said, a much uh, easy, much easier uh, episode than last time. We're not uh, very mad or crying anymore. So if any of you want to say anything else, feel free or Chris. Yeah, I mean, I also feel like just this question should be posed because I know like we're a group of Premier League fans and then one Bayern fan. I think we have um, we have to ask also why wasn't Bayern or PSG um, or like Ajax or all these teams also like included in the Super League. And and I think an answer for PSG and for Bayern is that, like you said, Every year, they're just dominating their leagues. They're getting that Champions League money every year. And I think it's also kind of revealing to see, like, where the money's coming from from some of these teams and, like, what their motivations are. I don't think it's anything um, too impactful right now, but I think it does, like, pose some questions. I don't know what people's thoughts are on that. But. I mean, I would say in terms of uh, PSG, I would just – it would be pretty – like easy for me to see it as they threaten the world cup the world cup is going to be in qatar qatar owns P- like psg so they didn't want to put anything of that at risk so and they also don't have any economic issues right now they're qatar just can put all the money they want since uh financial fair play got like scrapped they can just keep on putting it in. yeah so um does anyone else have any any last thoughts on the super league their teams or just anything else football related before we close up I feel like if the point reduction did happen, it would be interesting to see because we know points depend so much on like the manager stay. Yeah. So interesting to see if somehow, some way, the owners could somehow twist the point reductions as an excuse for getting out the managers who spoke against them if like they know that they're gonna stay. Because if they have an expectation, they're like, oh well, you know, they can win them back. There's just not, there's X amount of games left. But like we all know that's not how it works. So I feel like point reduction is just threatening too much, too yeah. fast. And I don't know if anyone knows, but England just got out of, like, lockdown. Mm-hmm. So the last thing people need is a reason to go protest and then go put the entire country back into lockdown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, we have to think, like, we're still in a pandemic. Like, we saw how many people were at the bridge, were at Anfield, were at all of these protests. Like, we saw that. And we have to also think, like, even though, a lot of people in England are vaccinated and we're still in the pandemic. And like the people whose salaries could get affected by these cuts are still in a pandemic. Yeah. So there's, yeah. A, lot, there's a lot more at stake with these punishments than just, oh, you were in the Super League, which I think a lot of these clubs won't really take into account. Or like, I hope that UEFA and FIFA and, you know, the Prem and Syria A and everyone takes into account like you're affecting more than just a club with finances yeah, everything like that. Yeah. And speaking of managers, like speaking out against the, uh, the Super League, Andrew, um, what is your opinion on Mourinho being fired? Do you think it had anything to do with him speaking out about the Super League or anything of that matter? No, I actually don't think so. I think just based on this season, just starting from probably like mid – I want to say mid-December that's when we kind of free that's when Tottenham kind of started free-falling we were playing some absolutely terrible football there were games where we just had all 10 guys sit in our own defensive half 
and we're not pressing. There's no pressing structure. There's no organization on the pitch. And the plays, we lost without the ball. So I think a lot of it is based on performance and how the team has kind of collapsed in the second half. Uh, I do question the timing of the firing because it was right in the midst of the Super League fiasco happening. And obviously, we don't, we don't, we'll never know what the real reason is, but there's always like people saying, oh, this is just a PR move to get the heat off the Tottenham's back. And this was done right before, a week before our League Cup final. So there's a lot of questions about uh, whether or not that was a kind of a stunt hold. So I'm not too sure, but I do think that a lot of it is performance related issues that led Mourinho to to be kicked out of the club. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it didn't have much to do about the Super League, but the timing is it, it's very coincidental. And uh, yeah, it can lead to a lot of speculation. Um, but Thank you to everyone who joined us today. It was nice to have a lot of football fans come together and speak about this. Um, you know, especially Frankie, a, a Liverpool fan, talking to you know United fan and an Arsenal fan talking to a Chelsea fan. Like it's all good stuff. And an Arsenal fan talking to a Tottenham fan. Look at this. The fact that me and Chris went and protested together. I know. I know. That's, I should, that's I, never ever gonna happen again. Ever. No, it's not. I didn't. I didn't do much. All I did was bring tape. But, but without the tape, we wouldn't have stuck on the poster. And you listen to the meltdown about the fact that we couldn't get arrested. Yeah, that that too. Yeah, so we put one up. And that's the first time Chris and I had ever met each other in person. Too. It was, yes, it was. Look at that. See, now friends forever. Friends see, see, see what football can do. But yeah, thank you guys so much. Um, I hope you enjoyed this. And hopefully we can get uh, you guys back on for some more fun podcasts. We can just, you know... Um, talk about whatever is going on during the week some some fun stuff um your team's results and it has nothing to do with uh the stupid thing that is the european super league and hopefully this is the last we'll ever have to talk about it but uh yep thank you guys so much uh good luck with finals good luck uh for your teams throughout the rest of the season andrew again i'm sorry for your loss and um yeah thank you guys so much and uh yeah we hope you enjoy this and we hope to see you soon again. So until then, I'm Chris Williams. I'm JP Rios. And have a good one, guys. We'll see you next time.